Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Craig, I think it was two years ago now that you were given a diagnosis that blew you out of the water. You got a phone call actually from your doctor as you were getting ready to board an international flight to go do a conference overseas. And what your doctor needed to tell you is that you have leukemia. Yeah. Was that two years ago? Uh, three. Three years yeah. ago. And Craig, the question I want to ask is, after the initial shock of that, after the, you know, just the horrible news to be delivered to you, um, you began to pursue the best treatment that you could find for leukemia. How passionately were you invested? It was a matter of um, extending life, of life or death. It was uh, a matter of family, marriage, um, fulfilling my role, call, purpose here. Everything seemed to hinge on um, getting the diagnosis and the treatment that was just spot on. I needed to know that the diagnosis was accurate and that the treatment was um, the most um, powerful, effective, up-to-date, current, true, the best that science and medicine has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. You, I remember your posture was twofold. Your posture was, um, as you were seeking around the country, the best mm-hmm. doctors you could find, your posture was shoot straight. Shoot straight. I want to know what is it exactly I have? What is my prognosis? How bad is it? Mm-hmm. And then I remember you saying uh, when they finally did give you a treatment course, you said, let's get this thing rolling. You, I mean, it was going to be horrifying. Chemotherapy mm-hmm. is, is just absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. But you're like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Deal with my condition. And mm-hmm. friends, that's That's how Jesus looks at humanity. Mm -hmm. He is offering us an honest diagnosis of our condition and a treatment regimen, you know, Mm -hmm. a protocol. He's he's offering us a way out to health and to life again. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about salvation. Welcome back to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. John Eldridge here with Craig McConnell again. And uh, we're continuing a second part on how did Jesus look at salvation? How did Jesus look at the rescue that mankind needs? And um, I wanted to bring Craig's story into this because, you know, when it's personal, when it's you, I mean, this changes from doctrine to desperation. I mean, this isn't just, hey, let's hold to the correct teachings. It's God's perspective is that the human race has cancer and he has the only answer, metaphorically speaking. And um, as we continue our conversation with salvation, I, I think we need to go – well, let me, let me go to a very famous passage. We need to go to, to John chapter 3. I think I want to begin there. Um, in John chapter 3, a, uh, 
a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, uh, who's a good guy, and he's a lover of God. He's a very, very committed, very serious Jew, and he's actually a member of the Jewish ruling council. It says in verse 2, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And then it's a really kind of funny. Jesus almost interrupts him and says, look, let's just get to the chase on here. I mean, thanks for the compliments. But Jesus just jumps right in and says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of heaven. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Mm-hmm. Bam. I mean, Jesus, Jesus believes that the human condition is so serious that only a new birth, only a new life is adequate to restoring mankind. And not only that, but Jesus is saying without that kind of rescue, without the impartation of that, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so again, you know, we are very clear that not all roads lead to Rome, not not all religions are essentially the same, not and they aren't by the way. They don't all teach what Jesus teaches and and the unbeliever who just kind of wants to say, hey, you know, live a good life, love others. Jesus says, no, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. You have such a terminal cancer of the soul. Your condition is so desperate that unless you are literally introduced into a new life, you are born all over again, you're not going to see heaven. Yeah. You're not. You're not going to see the kingdom of God, period. And Craig, I'm just remembering, you know, you wanted the doctors to shoot straight with you. You did not want them to tiptoe around. Tell me how bad it is. What stage am I? How quickly do we need to act on this leukemia? You know, and that's why you hear the urgency of Jesus in these passages. He's not being unkind, right? He's doing the most loving thing he possibly can do. He's sitting you down and saying, do you have stage four cancer of the soul? You're going to suffer eternally unless you let me deal with this. Yeah. And the dealing with it, the only solution to it is an entire new being a new person. It's ex, the extent of what we need is massive. And it's not partial. Exactly. Um, the way Paul puts it is in Corinthians is uh, – we're new creatures. We're entirely new, born again, different substantively yes. as well as our relationally with yes. God. Yes. Yes. So John introduces his gospel about Jesus Christ just a couple of chapters earlier when he says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of human descent, that's the first birth, right? Mm -hmm. But born of God, that's the second birth. That The salvation, the rescue that God is offering to us is a new life Mm -hmm. that permeates our entire being. And it's a life of such a quality and such a caliber that it, it carries on eternally. Now, there are you know, facets and dimensions that go with that, the cross of Christ for forgiveness of all of our wrongdoing, all those secret resentments and adulteries and 
hatred, you know, of your parents, your neighbors, you know, all of the unbelief uh, toward God, the resentment of God, all of that, everything. You know, first that needs an atonement, that that needs to be dealt with, and that's what the cross is about. That through the cross of Christ, all of your wrongdoings are washed away. But there's more. Clearly what Jesus is saying in this born-again passage that you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are given a new life from God, mm-hmm. a life that comes from above. You receive the Spirit of God into your life. And so it's as serious as this. I mean, Jesus basically says, you're dead in your sins. That's what he says to the Pharisees. He says, you're, you're already dead. You're dead in your sins, and you must receive my life, or you will have no life in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, John, this rebirth, this new life, this this entirely new transformed um, being that um, is our only hope of rescue and salvation, it gets even more intimate um, in that it's described as a, a union with Christ, another kind of descriptor of this mm-hmm. being born again. Another one is this union with Christ. It makes it very intimate, linked to Jesus mm. Christ, mm-hmm. not just a makeover, not just some commitment to be a new person. Right, a change of, a change of ways. Or a religious experience. Right. Um, but it's linked to Jesus Christ. Yeah. In fact, um, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so another aspect of the Christ perspective on salvation is that it is very exclusive. Mm-hmm. And it's the exclusivity of Jesus that really sets Christianity apart as, as a very shocking situation. You know, this isn't this isn't Buddhism with a path to becoming you know, a better person and righting your wrongs, you know, this um, this is a very exclusive offer. Jesus says, either you're in me, literally in me, mm-hmm. or you're not, and those outside of me die eternally. Mm-hmm. Those who are in me get to live, live as you were meant to live, restoration of a total life. In fact, I think if I go back and almost give this second half of podcast, a new introduction, it would go like this. You can't understand the rescue that Jesus is offering mankind until you look at the miracles of Christ. What happens to the deaf person when Jesus touches them? Well, their hearing is restored. The faculty of their hearing is completely restored. And what happens to those who are crippled, uh, the paraplegic? Well, they walk home. They stand up. Uh, Some of the stories actually dance. You know, the dead are actually raised to life again. You look at the miracles of Jesus, you know, those with a skin disease are are completely cleansed of that. And, you know, those who are blind see, they see again. The miracles of Jesus are illustrations for his message. He says, I want to do this for you. Mm -hmm. I want to restore your life. But so, the salvation that we're describing in Jesus Christ is a total rescue. It's a total rescue. He says, I want to rescue you. I want to restore you to what you were meant to be 
as a human being. But in order to do that, you need forgiveness for your sins. And so I'm going to lay my life down for yours. I'm going to take your judgment Mm -hmm. so that on the day of judgment, you don't have to take it. I'm going to take it for you on my cross. And then in my resurrection and in the coming of the Spirit of God, I'm going to give you my life. You know, he describes in another metaphor, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, that branch, when it's separated from the vine, it has absolutely no life in it. No life, no power. It's going to die. And Jesus says, you have got to be grafted into me. You've got to remain in me. I have to give you life. Apart from me, you you can't find it. You can't have it. You know, as we're trying to unpack for you the kind of the way, how did Jesus look at salvation? What is this rescue we need? You know, one, as we said last week, it's a rescue from hell. But two, it's the impartation of a life. It is that the human condition is such that only receiving a new life from God, only to be born again, is sufficient for our rescue, for our restoration, and and that comes through receiving Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. John, to um, to even nail this down a little more specifically, um, Ephesians one says that in Christ we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, and. Um, when we're talking about in Christ, being born again with the life of Christ, um, you read a passage earlier talking about false Christ. And it just it just feels important to say that what we're talking about here is the Christ, the Christ of the Bible, the Son of the Father. If there's a if your faith is in a false Christ, the rescue is false. It's not true. It's exactly. genuine. So just, exactly. I mean, this isn't just any Christ or a Christ of our making or someone who claims to be a Christ. It is the Christ um, of the New Testament. Yeah, right. So other religions, and there are very popular ones that use the name Jesus you know, use words like salvation, forgiveness, heaven, but they are not the same content within those words that Jesus of Nazareth gave to them. You know, he makes a very exclusive claim. He says, I am God. Yes. I am God. He makes that very clear. I and the Father are one. You know, Jesus is exact representation of God. He is God, the Son. You know, not a created being, not an exalted man, not not uh, a man who reached uh, some level of mastery or transcendence in another life, not a reincarnated person, and and not uh, not a man from another universe who now gets to gets to run his own universe. You know, Jesus makes it very clear: there's one God in all existence. There's no others, and. Uh, Jesus is this God, yes. Jesus of Nazareth, this man. And so, right, right. It's a very exclusive offer. And a friend of mine was trying to help me understand this once. I appreciated the, the analogy You know, when Jesus says, narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. You know, my friend was saying, look, if, if you needed to get from here to Baltimore and 
you just sort of headed out across the U.S. without path, without direction on a broad way, you would never find it. <sighs> you need a very narrow path that's going to take you there. Otherwise, you will wander lost for centuries, you know. And so the narrowness is a gift. The exclusivity is a gift. The straight shooting of Jesus is a gift. You know, mm, he's, it's good. he's not being intolerant. He's just being frank with you. He says, look, this is just the way things go. Mm. You know, there is one God and you desperately need a rescue. And so tinkering around with these other options are not going to save you. It's like, had you gone into to the doctors and they said, well, you know, uh, try laughter therapy. <laughs> Yeah, You know, just watch funny movies for months. You know, it would have been malpractice. What you needed was... And I'd be dead by now. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not unkindness. Yeah. It's not unkind to look you straight in the eye and say, look, you're a royal disaster. You are going to suffer terribly mm -hmm. unless you receive Christ mm -hmm. as your rescuer. That's not unkind. That's the most loving thing that any person has ever done for you. The way, the truth. Yes. Straight shooting yeah. and the life. And the life. Now, just to help our readers understand kind of the fullness of this, we've been talking about how does Jesus look at salvation? And he looks at it as a rescue. He looks at it as absolutely necessary. He, he looks at it as something that every single person needs. He looks at it as he is the only one who can offer it. Mm -hmm. um, but he also looks at it as very comprehensive. You know, again, the miracles. When, when Jesus gets a hold of a human life, there is forgiveness and it usually begins there. Forgiveness is the doorway back to God. We do need forgiveness mm -hmm. for the bitterness, the envy, the addictions, the compulsions, the fears, the doubts, just our absolutely flagrant unbelief that we live with every day. I mean, we just don't love or trust God. Let's be honest. You know, that's, that's just how people live their life. Yes. They don't really love God as the primary consuming passion of their days. And they don't trust him. Mm -hmm. You know, so... There's forgiveness, there's pardon, there's mercy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. All of that is taken care of for you if you will submit to him, if you will receive him as Savior. Mm -hmm. But then there's more. Yeah. You know, that forgiveness is a doorway into a whole new life. He literally imparts his life to you. And yes, yes, as that life begins to invade, it does heal our bodies. It heals our our souls. It heals those wounds that we received in our life, in our hearts. It heals our spirit. And, and that restoration begins now and is completed in heaven. There's a coming kingdom where it's total, um, but the impartation of the life begins now. In fact, I was, I was thinking about Dallas Willard's book, uh, The Spirit of the Disciplines, and chapter uh, three, Salvation is a Life. He's trying to say, look, it's not just this forgiveness thing. Forgiveness is needed. But he says, the simple and wholly adequate word for salvation in the New Testament is life. Mm. You could just simply substitute life for the word salvation. I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly, John 10.10. He that has the Son has life, 1 John 5, 12. Even when we were dead through our trespasses, God made us alive with Christ, Ephesians 2, 5. 
And so, you know, it's the impartation of the life of God that transforms your being partly now and totally later. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, as you said, John, it's thorough. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. So I love this quote from MacDonald. He says, The notion that the salvation of Jesus is a salvation from the consequences of our sins is a low notion. Hmm. The salvation of Christ is a salvation from the smallest tendency or leaning to sin. It is a deliverance into the pure air of God's ways of thinking and feeling. It is a salvation that makes the heart pure Mm -hmm. with the will and the choice of the heart to be pure. To such a heart, sin is disgusting. (laughs) And so it is regeneration has been one of the historical terms. God takes a human being that is so riddled with cancer of the soul and spirit that needs a new life, and he literally regenerates that human being into a new person. And as that life begins to permeate our being and transforms our hearts and our minds, our desires, our hopes, our dreams, and then it begins to transform our relationships, our families, our friendships, our communities. And as that life invades your body, yes, you bet, it heals the blind and raises the dead. And it's it's an absolutely permeating life that is offered to us who are, in fact, people with a terminal disease. So how do we initiate? How do we get this thing rolling? Where do we start? Yeah, let's go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. This is how he says it. Um, He says, yet to all who received him, he's referring to Jesus of Nazareth, and only the real Jesus of Nazareth, Mm -hmm. by the way. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of a natural descent, but born of God. So it begins, friends, with receiving Christ as your rescuer, with believing in him, putting your hope and your trust in him and turning your life over to his so that he can restore you. Mm. And let's pray. Mm. Let's pray. If, If you have done that, Pray it again. And if you have never taken the step to invite Christ into your life as your rescuer, to give you his life, to to bring his forgiveness and his healing and to restore you, now is your chance. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to rescue me in every way that a person needs to be rescued. I give myself over to you. I surrender my life to you, body and soul and spirit. Jesus, I ask your forgiveness for all of my wrong, the things that I am aware of and the things that I've forgotten. And I receive your cross for me. I receive your blood shed for me to cleanse me of all of my sin. I receive it, and I thank you for taking the judgment 
that I deserved taking it for me in the cross. I receive that now. And Jesus, I need your life, and I need union with you. I have no life apart from you, and I invite you to come, come into my heart, come into my life, be my God, my love, my life, my all. Impart your life to me. I receive your life, Jesus, to make me a new person, to restore me to the Father, to fill me with your goodness and your trueness and your holiness. And I just renounce here and now the lie that there is any other way. Hmm. Jesus, you're the only way. And I receive you and I receive all you've done for me. And I ask you to come, come and live inside of me, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Come now and live your life inside of me. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Oh, friends, if you have just prayed that, what a wonderful, wonderful thing. The scriptures say that at this moment, the angels are actually throwing a party in heaven. It says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one lost soul turns back to God. And if that's a prayer that you've prayed in the past, but you just kind of said yes to it again, oh, how beautiful and good to be restored and renewed in it. Mm. So much more. There's so much more. Please come and walk with us. We've got resources and podcasts and videos and curriculum and live events. And come to ransomedheart.com and just drink deeply from a, a whole well of resources for living this life with God.